Hello. 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 And welcome, welcome to, to LaughBox. LaughBox, the podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And now, here's your host, Chip Lutz. This is Chip Lutz, the unconventional leader. And today, I get to talk to Johanna Walker. I'm pretty stoked. She reached out to me. We connected a little bit. She's got a great story to tell. Matter of fact, she is like eh, kind of like the story queen, the story maven. Um, yeah, I'm sure she's got other titles. I don't know what they are, but I'm really happy to have her on the show today. Welcome, Johanna, to the show. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Now, for my listeners, if you could give them the hot skinny on who you are, that would be awesome. Well, I call, I am the fear-blasting storytelling maven for coaches, consultants, leaders, and change makers. I, uh, I help people take charge of their lives, basically, by connecting with their voices, by using their voices, by telling the stories, connecting to the authenticity and power of their, their true voices. You know, I think people long to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. They long to be seen and heard, and so many people shy away from that and hide in the back of the room and don't really show up with their full heart and their full body and their full voice to, to uh, share their message and share their genius. And so I help them do that. that uh, well, I am excited because I want to hear more about how you do that and what got you into that. Uh, but before we get into the conversation, I'm just going to ask you a random question has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. So um, you grew up, uh, if I read your bio correctly, a pastor's kid. So, and I happen to know, because I used to be married to a pastor's kid, that, you know, sometimes you guys get in a little bit of trouble. So what is one thing (laughs) that you did when you were a kid that your parents still don't know about? And quite frankly, you're afraid to tell them. Oh my gosh. Well, the embarrassing thing was, I always felt like I never lived up to that, that, expectation they always said preachers preachers kids are the worst and I was an incredibly good kid I was <laughs> terrified so of getting in trouble <laughs> I was so I felt like I let everybody down by being such a good kid um, but there must have been something once <laughs> once I stole some candy Nice. Okay. Well, it's we not, were it's, not allowed to have, we didn't have candy. We didn't have candy. And I had really? a friend who, who, yeah, we didn't have sugar or, or candy. Candy was like a really special treat. It was a special occasion when we were, when we got to have candy. And uh, <laughs> I had a friend who had a candy drawer in her house and I could just like go over there after school and eat candy, like with abandon. <laughs> and one, <laughs> once we went down to Rankers the little grocery store near our house and we stole candy. Nice. Nice. It's and, nice. This story isn't about yeah. murder. However, the fact that you couldn't have candy and you went out there and got the forbidden fruit makes it just that much seedier. I like that. See, now if you just gone, like you could have it, you know, at home and you're like, ah, I'm just going to take some, but the fact that you couldn't have it. Right. <laughs> right. There you go. Right. So I won't tell your parents about this and I doubt they're going to listen to the podcast. Okay. So, you know, um, um, I, I appreciate you sharing. Appreciate uh, my mom sharing. is my biggest fan. So I think she probably will listen actually, but that's <laughs> uh, so funny. My mom is my biggest fan. That's hilarious. You know, uh, she has, you know, like my parents before my dad passed away, he had no idea what I did, but 
he um, he understood what I did when I was in the Navy, but when I transitioned into speaking, he was like, he had no concept of what I did because like, you know, he was, a, he worked in a steel mill. You know what I mean? He's like, so uh, uh-huh. that thing you're doing, are you doing okay? You know, are you, are you able to <laughs> make your mortgage? And I'm like, eh, some months, yeah, other months, ah, it's, a little, it's a little sketch. But anyway, that's, uh, that's awesome that your mom's your biggest fan. That is great. I can always count on likes from her on Facebook. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, let's uh, let's the first start to like anything I post. <laughs> let's start at the beginning because I'm really interested in you kind of like your journey into storytelling, you know, and um, you know how that kind of shaped you, and then we'll kind of move into how you um, help other people um, use that, you know, for um, taking charge of their lives. But let's start with your story first on, you know, how that evolution of uh, Johanna came about. Like I said, I was a really good kid. I was very well behaved and very quiet. My job was to get the right answer. And if I didn't have the right answer, I didn't speak. And so I would sometimes go for days without speaking. Like I was terrified of making a mistake. I was terrified of getting it wrong. I was just good to the bone and good meant quiet. Mm-hmm. Good meant just like, you know, staying tucked in and staying quiet and not upsetting anybody. And I, you know, I went for, as I said, sometimes days, I remember standing at the bus stop one day counting one, two, three, four, five. Oh, that was five days where I didn't say a word. Wow. So that, yeah, yeah. It was kind of an, I was, I was way on the one end of the quiet, good girl spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I, but I was always a writer. I, kept, I had stacks and stacks of diaries and journals. So that was what connected me to my, that was kept, that's what kept me human. It kept mm-hmm. me connected to myself as a human. I have this drawing. I have this self-portrait I made in college. This was, this was, I was in college. It was a big 18 by 26 piece of paper or 24 or whatever. And my face was in one corner. And then there was a huge talk bubble that filled the page. And in the center of the talk bubble in tiny letters, I have nothing to say. And this was my self-portrait. This was the story that I believed to be true about myself. Well, that is how am- I moved through the world. I have nothing to say. <laughs> that is amazing. And now, I mean, you're saying a lot. So, I mean, how, how did, how did that, <laughs> how did that change? Cause you figure by the time you're in college, you have some, you have some things that are pretty set and how you do things and how you kind of live your life, how you yeah. view. And obviously you had a certain view of who you were and how you operated in the world. So it's interesting to see how much different that is now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was through poetry, actually. Was, I started going to poetry readings. Like I said, I was always a writer. And once I landed at a microphone, like I never read my poems, I would go to poetry readings. But once I landed at a microphone, it was actually in Kent, Ohio. It was the 20th anniversary of the Kent State shootings. Mm. And they did this 48 hour poetry celebration. And I had volunteered to read somebody else's poem because poets from all over the world sent poems. Mm-hmm. I volunteered to read somebody else's poem, but I got to the mic and I said, I haven't gotten my poem yet. And they said, oh, we thought you were gonna read your own poem. And I was like, wait, no, 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 no. You don't understand, I don't do that. <laughs> but I did. And at that point, my writing was so much about my story of silence, my story of not speaking. Oh. And when I read that poem, I felt 
the resonance of my voice in the room and in the people. And so many people came up to me and said, that's my story too. And I was shocked because yeah. I thought I was the only one in the world who was as quiet and shy and scared as, as I was. And that was really what began me figuring out that, oh, my story can make a difference to somebody. I'm, my story can open the door to somebody else's story. My story can create a connection with somebody else. My story sits in this lineage and this context of, of so many other stories that are at that point really about women and speaking, women's voices. Mm -hmm. That sort of launched me into, oh, I can tell my story. And I started just, and I started helping other people tell their stories. Isn't that amazing though? Like uh, something you said in there that just really resonated with me that, you know, so many times in life we're going through and we think that we're the only one that is feeling something or going through something until we speak it and somebody else hears that. And like you said, they, they it resonated with them. They're like, that's my story too. Or even if it's not their story, they're going through something that's kind of similar and um, they can gain strength through knowing that they're not alone. Wow. Yeah. That is, that's, uh, that is, <laughs> that's good stuff right there. It's good stuff. Now I, I hate to ask you, I, like, you know, I, the poem that you read that's, you know, up out there, did you have it in your pocket? I mean, you know, you weren't really prepped. I mean, were you, did you have it memorized? I right. mean, like that's what I, I had. <laughs> Yeah, good question. Well, I had a folder of my poems with me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know why I brought it, <laughs> but I had a full, I remember standing at the mic. It was like, there was somebody reading and I was standing backstage. I mean, it was at a cafe. There wasn't really a backstage, but I remember mm -hmm. standing at the counter, leafing through my folder mm -hmm. to find a poem that I could dare to read. Mm -hmm. So I did, I had a stack of poems with me. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, I guess the moral of the story is, is always, you know, be prepared, but have, a stack, have a stack of poems. Have a stack of poems with you. Yeah. <laughs> you never yeah. know when you never know when you're going to end up at the mic. Have a stack of poems. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> so um, now, since then, I mean, I'm sure that you've done uh, probably a lot of things besides just like jumping from the poetry stage into helping other people you know, share their stories, uh, you know, so how did that transition work from being there at the microphone into what you're doing now? Because it's not like you yeah. just the next day, it's like, hey, well, that worked. I'm going to, I'm going to go do this with everybody. I mean, it, there had to have been yeah, some, yeah. some transition time in there. How did that work? Yeah. Well, I did, a, you know, originally I did a lot of work with adolescent girls and women mm -hmm. in jail and senior adults, just a wow. lot of different community groups. Uh -huh. That was really fantastic to work with. And I was a starving artist. I, I painted houses. I was a carpenter. I waitressed. I was a bike messenger. You know, I just was kind of committed, destined to be a starving artist. And I did all art, you know, creative projects in the community with different groups of people. It was, and it was great. Mm. Um, so I was in the world of theater and creativity and improvisation and, I was teaching a solo performance class. One of my students had been invited to give, this was you know, much later. I moved to Colorado and got my MFA in theater. I was teaching a solo performance class and one of my students was invited to give a TEDx talk and she asked me to help her. And mm -hmm. at that point I had no idea about the world of speaking. 
I had mm. no idea about the world of business. Mm -hmm. I was very much living in a, a kind of fringy artist life. And I helped her and I, I was like, oh, that's cool. I can, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So I reached out uh, to a colleague of mine. We had had similar theater training and he kind of helped me translate my theater work into, into coaching and working in the, in the business world. Yeah. So that, that TEDx talk that I coached, my very first client opened the door then to working with corporate execs, you know, and entrepreneurs and experts who want to give TEDx talks. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I got to say, initially, I had no idea, like, I thought I could say, I'm a public speaking coach, and then boom, I'd have a full roster of clients. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. about sales and marketing that was if you like build it they will weird. come yeah unfortunately that i it'd be nice if it worked like that um uh but uh it's one of those you know, speaking just in general you as you know it's one of those things where it just it takes time uh and you know for you make a step forward a couple steps back a couple steps forward yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. i you know yeah. i it's a long but, arc i like to look at the long arc of this of of speaking and <laughs> The very long arc, yes, the very long arc. Um, so let's let's transition just a little bit into you know some of the work that you do and how you do it because I'm really interested in one, you know, uh, like you you meet people, you know, obviously different. You mentioned a bunch of different types of groups of people, entrepreneurs, CEOs, um, other people that just, you know, want to share their message, you know, via like a TEDx talk. I mean, very different types of groups of people, uh, but they all have something in common as far as like sharing a message, sharing a story um, uh, for whatever purpose they're looking for. So when people are coming to you, I mean, you know, walk me a little bit through some of the process you go through on uh kind of like mining some of the stuff for stories because it's it's interesting to me like because uh, i got my i have a process like i'll have a nugget in my head as far as oh i remember that happened when i was a kid you know and then i kind of work backwards and stuff but i'm interested to see how you do that and you know because it's it's uh, fat it's got to be fascinating yeah well when i'm working with people specifically on stories I, I i have two different tracks i work with people on content development crafting a story and crafting the arc of their talk that anytime you're giving a talk you're taking the audience on a journey mm -hmm. and so how do we craft that journey where are they when they walk into the room and where do you want them to be when they walk out what's mm -hmm. the journey you're going to take them on so there's and what are the stories you're going to tell that are going to lead them where you want to lead them? Mm -hmm. So there's that content development. And then the other track is working with presence and connection and delivery. And how do you really show up fully in the room? How do you manage the nerves and the fears? How do you, how do you make the connection, especially now virtually, how do you connect through the screen? How do you show up more fully on the screen? Mm -hmm. So I, depending on who, you know, where I, where the, who comes to me and what they're looking for, I kind of break it into these two different let's, categories. Let's, uh, let's start with the presence piece, because I noticed that in watching your videos that uh, you just don't like jump right in. You, you take a moment and kind of like take the whole, the, like the whole mm. room in first 
And then you kind of began. It was uh, much different from a lot of talks that I've seen, um, a lot that I've, I've watched. And I just, you know, I appreciate the fact that it was just a little bit different where it was just like this momentary taking the energy or what, I don't know what it was. I mean, just like taking the room in and then beginning. Um, so I assume that's part of the whole presence piece, I'm guessing. Or is that just like, you know, yeah, what you that's do? definitely something. Well, it's what I do and it's what I coach my clients to do too, is to, mm -hmm. to take a moment and land, take a moment and arrive, take a moment and notice that there's an audience that you're speaking to and to let them in, to let them in, to land in that connection. Because ultimately what you want to do is connect with your audience. When you're connected, they're going to actually hear what you say. Mm -hmm. They're going to take the action you want them to take. So that first moment is such a powerful moment of communicating the message that you are here. I am here and I have something to say that I want you to hear, mm -hmm. you the audience. And by taking that moment to land, that gets conveyed. The audience kind of settles. Like if I just roll in and start talking and then roll out, they, they don't quite settle. But when I take that moment to land, I can mm -hmm. feel the audience just sink in and say, oh, this person's about to speak. Right. I wonder what she's going to say. I mean, and I would and think starting from there is so much more powerful. And I want to think a, a piece of that would be like, no, you're landing and taking them in, but maybe it's also letting them know that you're with them. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And letting them know that I'm steering the ship. I got the wheel. You know? Okay. Yeah. All right. I like oh, that. I mean, I'm not letting my hair. Like, I just want to make sure I, you, you knew that I noticed that because I was like, oh, I, you know, that's so different from yeah. most things that I see. And that it was just, um, uh, it was, I, I liked it. I, I liked that you did that. So it's kind of cool. Cool. From my perspective, anyway, you know, just yeah. Yeah. one person to another, I was like, oh, that's so different. So um, let's veer a little bit more into the the other presence pieces that, you know, when you coach people that, because um, I, um, I don't know if it's really true that, you know, public speaking is really, you know, number one fear. I think that might be an old wives tale, but um, I know a lot of people don't like it and a lot of people don't want to do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people make it look easy, which make the other people think they can do it, but when they go to do it, they right. can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I do with people, one of the things is, you know, a lot of people are scared and a lot of people don't they don't identify as scared, mm -hmm. but they're not showing up as fully as they could. There's something in the way. There's something of the way of really taking a bigger risk, showing more of their humanity, showing more of their heart, risking being a little bit unconventional, a little out of the box. You know, I, I've talked about just being tucked in. Mm -hmm. So even though, even when people have it, you know, don't identify as being scared there's further they can go i usually can see there's there's more room for more of themselves to show up in the room so i i one of the programs i host is speakers playground it's called speakers playground i was doing it in person for for a couple of years before lockdown and then pivoted to virtual so i've been doing it virtually and we do a lot of play Mm -hmm. We do a lot of improvisation just to get to shake loose some of those nerves, get in the body, get in the voice, get comfortable being uncomfortable, get comfortable being a little bit goofy. And then creating 
containers. I teach tools. I teach specific skills of public speaking, Mm -hmm. um, but then also just create opportunities for them to try stuff. That's usually a little bit uncomfortable, right? It's something that's unfamiliar and uncomfortable. And so much of the presence piece is about staying present when you're uncomfortable, staying present when you're out of your zone of familiarity. Right. That brings more of yourself into the room. You know, I think what is cool, and I think I want to make sure I bring out from what you just said, is that uh, you you know, begin that with improv. Um, Because like me, I love improv. I uh, did it when I retired from the Navy, I did the whole second city thing for a year just to get out of my, my linear mindset. And it was, it was such a liberating experience that, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. You have to be completely present in the moment all the time. And, um, and I think that is a great thing to make sure that, um, I um, highlight from what you just said that, you know, in order for people to get comfortable, that they have to get comfortable with kind of like being uncomfortable and being in the moment. Because so many times we're just kind of like running a script in our head of what we think we should say or what we think we should do, but we're not really there in that moment. We're thinking about what we're going to say. And so um, I like that you do that because I think it's a really powerful uh, tool to use for people to learn. uh, yeah. which uh, I think should be used more quite honestly, but anyway, so um, what are some of the problems people have with doing that when they first start? Cause I, I know it's gotta be uncomfortable for them. When they first start, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just uncomfortable. They're, you know, being goofy in front of, people like when I work with a team for instance inside an organization I work with a sales team for example and I Mm -hmm. go in or I actually worked with a group of engineers and these are guys who are not you know they are not uh have never done improv before Mm -hmm. and so being goofy in front of their peers is potentially very embarrassing right because they they're you know it's like being in their body in a different way Mm -hmm. and it's potent, it's it's very uncomfortable, but at the same time, when everybody in the room is doing it, there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of laughter. So they can kind of discharge the embarrassment and discover connection with right. their colleagues, discover a connection with themselves and their voices. And and this this kind of shield breaks down this protective gear that they that they're wearing that they're not even aware of maybe mm-hmm. <clears throat> this protective gear breaks down and they have more access to more of their voice to more of their expressive possibility and when we start there it 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 just sets a sets the ground it creates a foundation for for more more growth to happen right growth and i would think you know um authenticity as well and that's uh because to me it's just one of those things that play really helps facilitate that's you know when people can laugh together i mean i think it was uh, yeah it was mark twain that said against the assault of laughter nothing can stand and that's um when 
you can get yeah. people to laugh together and have some fun. Some of those things go down and they can be more of their authentic selves and maybe share some of those things and be a little more vulnerable than they would have been before because they're not so worried about looking stupid because they've already looked stupid. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Oh, that's cool. Now, um, and I do a lot with just the, the body too. I think we get pretty locked into habits and patterns of how we live in our bodies and there's so much power there's so much you know our stories we because we live our we go through the world living our lives in our bodies obviously the stories Mm -hmm. our experience our wisdom it all lives in there and we kind of can tend to be talking heads where it's just like my voice comes from my head and my throat Mm -hmm. and that's it and it's pretty locked down it's pretty limited but when they kind of shake loose their bodies, mm-hmm. there's just, again, more room, more availability, more possibility. I like that. Uh, more possibility. Because when, you know, you got possibility, hey, you get you, you can do anything there. So um, let's uh, move a little bit over to the other side of the work that you do on uh, the, the storyline and uh, um content development piece, because I'm really interested in that as well. And I think that, you know, for anybody out there, any leader that's looking, try, you know, trying to, I don't know, move their team from one place to another, I think that um, a big piece that helps people move is knowing somebody else's story. And I, I really, um, I think that sometimes as leaders, we negate the power of our own story that's, um, and how powerful it can be for other people to hear um, you know, and, and also connects them to you, can connect them to the organization. Um, so, you know, can we delve into that a little bit on how you help mine yeah. some of that stuff? Yeah. 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 Well, there are lots of stories to tell. A lot of often we say, oh, my story. Mm-hmm. And my story is made up of so many little stories. Right. So many little stories and there are so many different kinds of stories we can tell in so many different situations where a story is really the thing that's going to cut through any pretense or uh, judgment. And when you hear somebody's story, you connect to their humanity. Mm-hmm. And when that connection is there, so much more becomes possible. So when I do, when I work with people on finding the story, on crafting the talk, like I look at the, the story as here's the thing that happened. And then we put it in the context of what's the, what's the bigger message you want to convey? Mm-hmm. What's the idea you want to get across? And how does the story serve that idea? So we go from one end. I like to mine for stories and I have a bunch of different exercises I take people through just to dig, 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 to chip away, to let the stories rise to the surface. Because one story, you know, when you hear a story, it makes you think of another story. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you tell a story, you think, oh, that reminds me of this. Right. Oh, that reminds me of when I was 10 and I lost my shoe in the Pacific Ocean. And so one story leads to another story, leads to another. So we do mining. Uh, together. And then we also come from the other direction, which is what's the idea you want to convey. And when we're clear about the idea you want to convey, then what are the stories that support that? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite exercises or go ahead. Did you want to? No, no, no. I was going to say, you know, that makes that, I was just going to say that makes sense to me on um, thinking about, you know, the, the, 
the point you want to make and what stories you have that can, you know, uh, help facilitate that point to other people. So I, I was just, that's all I was going to say, cause I'm, yeah, but I'm really yeah. interested in an exercise. I am. I love, I love application. Yeah. <laughs> I host a story slam. One of the things I do in Boulder is host a story slam and there's a theme for the night and people from the audience come to the stage. They put their name in the hat. If their mm -hmm. name gets picked, they come to the stage and tell a five minute story, true story based on the theme. So I've been doing that in Boulder for about eight years. We've shifted to virtual since lockdown. Those stories are purely for entertainment. Mm -hmm. Those are just like, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about this thing that happened to me, period. That's it. When I'm working with entrepreneurs or professionals, workplace professionals, and they're creating a talk and they want to tell a story, then it's really important that you know why you're telling the story mm -hmm. and that it is connected to the idea and that it's connected to something your audience needs to hear. So, you know, part of it is, let me show you, I'm a human being. I have a heart. I have vulnerability. <laughs> I live an actual life. I think more people need to but tell those stories. <laughs> yeah. But here's how it relates to you. And it's uh -huh. really important to draw that thread, to draw that line. I, I like that because I think that, yeah, more, more leaders need to uh, humanize their leadership by just, you know, yeah. sh sharing a story. Uh, like, you know, Hey, right. when I was fifth grade, I pooped my pants and this would happen. I mean, you gotta, you gotta let your people out of wouldn't share that story, but it's, it's still a good, yeah. Be a good yeah. story. Yeah, um, you do. And it's so important again, that, you know, you're not just like, Oh, I had this horrible childhood and let me tell you all about my Cause everybody says I'm supposed to be vulnerable. So I have to tell you about all my childhood trauma, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So, so we gotta like kind of balance it out where it's like, yeah, tell me your vulnerability, but make sure there's a direct line to me and why right. that matters to me. Yeah. Otherwise it's just kind of like, it's more like the therapy for the speaker, just kind of, just <laughs> right. kind of getting out there. Right. Well, then exactly. my mom, <laughs> my dad went out for a pack of cigarettes and he never came back. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. You should leave a little mystery. Yeah. Just a little yeah. mystery. Um, <laughs> sorry. In my head, that's, I see somebody like a CEO sharing that story and, you know, cause somebody told me he had to be vulnerable and everybody in there, it's just like, I, I don't think I can work here anymore. I don't, <laughs> in my head, it was, in my head, it was really uh, excuse hilarious. Me, gotta yeah. Go. yeah. In my head, that was really hilarious, you know, yeah. but uh, anyway, <laughs> now, um, how do you, um, so thinking about what I, that whole piece that, you know, using that kind of like a segue on yeah, trying to weave a little bit of, you know, humor in there, do you help them, you know, try to weave a little bit in there? Because I think that's, you know, that's a big connection piece. I mean, you've got, a, you know, some improv theater background and I, how, how does that play in? Yeah, you know, I think humor is, it, the more truthful you can be, that tends to open the door to humor. Right. Because there's so much pretense out there and people trying to look good and trying to fit in and trying mm -hmm. to make everybody see they're a professional and make everybody see they're an expert. And, and pretense keeps us from humor humanity is like, it's just being human is kind of inherently funny. Mm -hmm. And when you can really peel away the pretense and say, yeah, you know, here's, here's me, here's the real me. 
it usually connects to the real you in the audience. And it can be funny, you know, like those guys in the room doing improv, it was funny because they were all just being real together. Right. They were all just being real together. And so there was a lot of laughter because there's a little bit of embarrassment because it's like, look at all of us goofy humans. Mm -hmm. And when you can just show up and be a goofy human without apology and without pretense, it, it becomes inherently funny. You don't have to try to be funny. Right. But it's I, like, I connect, it's like, oh, I can kind of let down my guard. Like, oh my God, thank God you're an actual human. Phew, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we can laugh together. I like that you brought that out because real life is unintentionally funny. And it made me think of uh, when you were saying that, it made me think of one of my, my improv teachers that, you know, said that, you know, basically the same thing that you don't need to try to be funny. Just, you know, you're just, you're, all you have to do is like bring out real life things. Everybody has a junk drawer with stuff in it. So, you know, if, right. you know, you're yeah. reach, reaching for that on stage, somebody's going to resonate with that and they're going to understand the funny thing about that, you know? So um, I, I like that, that humanity piece and the real life piece, because yeah, real life is unintentionally funny uh, yeah. every, every yeah. day, every day. Um, every day. And we just need so much more of it. I think people are, are craving those connections and it can be scary to take that risk and be the one who shows your humanity. Mm -hmm. But when you do, it becomes such a gift to the people around you. You know, to, to, if you're the leader and like you become the leader by showing your humanity, by showing you're a real person, because it, right. it gives everybody else permission to do the same. Right. Um, that to me is leadership. That, that is actually, I, I agree with you completely um, on getting out there and sharing that. I call it, I, well, I call that kind of like your leadership tithe, um, sharing that 10% of yourself that really matters to other people. I mean, yep. pol policies, plans, and procedures kind of like fade away, but the thing that remains is the investment you make in other people. That's that tithe piece. And I think a big piece, part of that is, you know, sharing, you know, sharing yourself, sharing your humanity, sharing your story. Um, obviously, um, I think those are the things that remain with people. Those are the things, uh, the people that I've worked with in my life, the people that have, um, you know, shared that piece of themselves are, those are the people I remember, you know, and the people that really yeah. made an impact yeah. on me. Yeah. And you know, it, it also, like what we were talking about presence and discomfort and, and it, it also, sometimes that can be uncomfortable for people to take that, to take that lead. Right. And I, you know, when I talked about people helping people take charge of their lives like that is such a powerful thing to do when you take that risk mm -hmm. and you're willing to get uncomfortable and you're willing to put yourself out whether it's on stage in front of 300 people or in a meeting or with one person you're talking to a colleague you're talking to when you're willing to take that risk and show a little bit more of yourself that pay that pays off it ripples in your own life because you have to what i what i find with myself certainly myself and with my clients you have to dig a little bit deeper it's like okay i got this mm -hmm. and then you get connected to more of your power and then it's like oh you show up a little bit more fully in your life you show up with more with more confidence mm -hmm. that's that's the practice of developing confidence is by putting yourself out and then putting yourself out again and then it becomes yours. I was going to ask that because I was so that one of those things where I just like you, you can do it in one day. I would think you, you said the word practice. So I would think that it's one of those things that you've, I, 
like a graduating scale. Maybe you get a little more comfortable, you build on a little bit more, you build on a little bit more, and then you know you become a little more uh, fully immersed um, in taking charge of your life and being involved in other yeah. people's lives. Yeah. I would I would guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When when I first started my business, I I got a my first speaking opportunity. I was working with this coach and he had said, now, Johanna, you have to go out and speak. And I was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not a speaker. I can help people speak, but I, I'm not a speaker. I have nothing to say. You know, I kind of face planted back in that old story. And then a speaking opportunity came my way. So I took it. I was utterly terrified, utterly terrified, I, but I made my way through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause I had done theater I had done, I had been on stage as a theater artist, not as a speaker who shared acting and thinking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and I find that each new stage that I step onto, like when I up level, I, it's easy to face plant in those old, those old stories. Mm -hmm. And every step I take to a, to a, to a bigger stage, it's uncomfortable. It's scary. I go into the story of, oh, no, I have nothing to say, but I do it. And then I start to, that story starts to get rewritten. Yeah. And it's the practice. It's the practice of putting yourself out. And then once that gets comfortable, you got to put yourself out a little further. And that gets comfortable. You got to put yourself out a little further and you keep yeah. practicing, practicing, practicing. And that limiting yourself by the story you tell yourself. I think would be a big piece there too. Cause sometimes we, yeah, like you're saying, we have certain things we tell ourselves about ourselves and we start to believe those things, but you know, those aren't all true. Um, sometimes we have to uh, like with your uh, coach that said, no, you need to go out and do this. You're like, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an actor. I'm not a speaker and you know, I can help people speak, <laughs> but I don't do this. It's like, you know, you had to kind of change that dialogue a little bit. So, you know, that's uh, I think a powerful thing to think about that, uh, you know, you know, it's important to share your story, but also important to maybe change your inner, inner story, <laughs> inner story too. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I always say one of the most powerful stories you can tell is the story you tell yourself that, about who the, you that, are and who you get to be in the world. Yeah. That sounded a lot smarter than the way I said it, but so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. Um, if uh, people want to connect with you, they need them, them some more, uh, Johanna, where do you want them to go? How do they, how do they connect with you? How do they get it in on a story slam or something like that? Since it's virtual and they don't have to be in both. Oh yeah. Well, a great place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. I've show up on LinkedIn pretty regularly uh, reach out connection and I make real connections on LinkedIn. So if you do follow me on LinkedIn, shoot me and shoot me a, a message and just said, Hey, I heard you on this podcast and mm -hmm. tell me a question you have about speaking, about visibility, about your voice. I'd love to, to build real relationship and engage. So reach out on LinkedIn for sure. Um, my website is johannawalker.com. There's some free resources there. You can certainly check out. And storyslamboulder.com is the is the um, story slam. Now, can you go to story slam and just be I, a voyeur? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Cool. You can just you can just listen. Yeah, only ten people tell stories, and um, we we often get. I mean, the virtual shows have been the first one we did right after lockdown. We had four hundred and fifty people. Wow. And 
and I think people have grown weary of Zoom. So the audiences have been smaller, but at the beginning they were like, oh my God, we need stories, we need stories, we need stories. And but now right now like... I'll tell you that with the story slam, we're working on a, a race stories project. After, after George Floyd was murdered, we did a, a, I wanted to do a story slam on the theme of race. And I was like, mm -hmm. we gotta do this carefully, you know, and, and mm -hmm. thoughtfully. So I gathered a group of people, it was a mixed race group of people and did a workshop. We did an eight, eight week workshop to develop stories around race. Mm. And it was just a really powerful show in the in the end such and i mean the process itself of people developing these stories and building relationships through their stories was so so powerful and then the show in the end was was stunning so we're doing that again we're doing that again so cool certainly um, um reach out if that sounds interesting yeah i'd be interested to watch it um absolutely uh, i think that uh, we need more conversations and more conversation starters um yeah. around that well like i said it's been awesome talking to you now if we were really sitting in a bar drinking me and johanna in boulder throwing back a couple <laughs> cool ones i'd probably give you some kind of drunk dare but since we're not i'm just going to ask you a few random questions for my overstuff would you rather book johanna are you game for three questions absolutely all right i always apologize in advance because i never know where the book is going to open so First question, Johanna, would you rather always wear shoes that are half size too small or always have your underwear creeping up your butt? <laughs> oh my God. I, <laughs> I think I'd have to go with, the, with underwear. I think I would too. Cause like I, I, I can live with underwear creeping up my butt, but two small shoes, no way. Then I can't get a, that's no. Yeah. 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 Feet are too important. You know, it's like Lieutenant Dan says, yeah. you know, keep yeah. your feet dry and don't get shot. All right. Second question. <laughs> Would you rather Johanna have the power to read minds or have the power to make anyone fall in love with you? Oh, wow. Wow. I, oh gosh. I think I want people to fall in love with me. Okay. I don't, I don't I, know what they're thinking. I don't either. I'm with you on that. I would rather just like live a lie and just, you know, pretend like I think they th I know what they're thinking. But truthfully, I'm a firm believer that you um, you fall in love with, you live with, and you die with a complete stranger. You never know what the other person's thinking. Uh, Luckily, my wife's yeah, in the other room. Yeah. She didn't hear me say that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. Oh, and I will apologize for this one. Would you rather, Johanna, have others watch a video you video of you on the toilet or a video of you throwing a childish childish temper tantrum. Oh, I'd rather throw a temper tantrum. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, something 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 should just remain a secret. Yeah, it's, I'm just yeah. saying. It's, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again for spending some time with me today. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, you gave me a lot to think about as well. And I know that uh, for my listeners, um, they'll, they'll get a lot from our conversation today. Thank you so much. It's been such a delight. Thanks for listening to LaughBox. If you'd like to learn more about AATH, visit our website at www.aath.org or email the host at chip at unconventionalleader.com. And if you'd like to be particularly awesome, leave us a review on iTunes. 
and or tell your friends about how awesome the podcast is. Unless you didn't think it was awesome. And then just keep it your little secret. Or tell them it was awesome and then laugh to yourself about how you're going to be wasting an hour of their time while you're out doing something productive like handing out heads of cabbage at a Miley Cyrus concert. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. And may the farce be with you.